Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Jill James, Chief Safety Officer for HSI, about how resilience can help safety managers deal with the many challenges they face. And now, on to the interview. This is Jay Kumar, and I'm joined today by Jill James, Chief Safety Officer of the Health and Safety Institute, aka HSI. Welcome, Jill. Hey, thanks, Jay. Really appreciate you asking me to be here. I'm glad uh, you could uh, you could do it, and you're also the host of the Accidental Safety Pro podcast. Um, I I am. Yeah, but first off, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do uh, with HSI. Sure. So I am, like you said, Jay, Chief Safety Officer at HSI. Um, but before that, um, my health and safety career started 27 years ago, and I've been with HSI for seven. So, um, you know, my history includes uh, starting out um, right after grad school as an investigator with OSHA in a state plan state for just shy of 12 years. Wow. So, yeah, you got a lot of good experience there, I'm sure. Yeah. And then I went into the private sector after um, I had my had my. I guess you could say fill of working for government. I had hit my <laughs> capacity and uh, went into private sector in healthcare and higher education for a while, while and um, bio and life sciences and the poultry industry. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then j- joined HSI. Um, and so, so tell, I guess, you know, I'm sure people know who HSI is, but, t- you know, tell us a little bit about HSI and, and sort of what you're uh, overseeing there. Right, exactly. Good question. So for anyone who's not familiar with what HSI is, um, we have a long-standing history in the health and safety world, which really got its start with CPR, AED, and first aid training. And then from there, we quickly grew into workplace health and safety compliance training for all types of industries. Um, which then got complemented by a world-class chemical safety management system. So all those things, SDS and so much more than that. And our training just continues um, today and it continues to expand um, for first responders and into the craft trades as well as industrial skills and soft skill training for managers and employees and even um, on-site um, preparation training for active shooter emergencies. And along the way, um, we've continued to build out our software solutions, which today includes our safety management system, where we help employers um, tackle everyday, the everyday needs that they have um, to manage um, health, and sa- health and safety, which of course do- dovetails with our existing training content and the chemical management system I mentioned earlier. So really, a uh, a, a single integrated suite for all types of employers to manage their um, health and safety needs, or what I call the five elements of health and safety compliance. Great. Um, and now I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about the Accidental Safety Pro podcast and how that got started. Yeah, sure. So um, just, it was three years ago um, in May. So the podcast had its third year birthday um, this spring. And we had, I had together um, a focus group of employers um, from around the country. And we were talking one day and they said, you know, Jill, it'd be really great if you could start a podcast so that we could hear from other health and safety professionals. And I'm like, 
podcast. <laughs> you know, I had 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 no idea. I went went back to my um, my my uh, my marketing team and I said, "Hey, what's a podcast?" Because I really didn't know. And you know, so they explained it to me, and I'm like, "Gosh, that sounds fun." And uh, the the focus group said, "You know, it'd be great if we could, you know, if we could just learn from other health and safety professionals because we work so." often um independently or we're the only people at our at our organization and we, you know we might attend a conference you know once a year or something but we're really there to learn and we don't have necessarily time to hear from others and how they do their work or maybe even how they got started and so that was what the focus group was requesting and my marketing director said well you know we have to name this thing so Jill, what do you think we should call it and i said well you know Every time I meet someone new in health and safety, I always ask how they got started because nobody's story is ever the same. We all take this winding path to finding the profession. Mm -hmm. And um, so therein came the title of the podcast, The Accidental Safety Pro, which is a pun, where um, the leading question for every episode is for people to share their story of how it is they found themselves in this professional practice that is health and safety. And, you know, you've got, uh, you're up to 80 episodes now as of uh, yeah, this discussion. Past. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that's, which is pretty wild. Uh, so uh, basically every other week? Right. We produce, yeah. we, we produce twice a month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So how are you finding people to, uh, to talk to? Uh, right. So I, I source all of our guests myself and then sometimes on referral from other guests who connect me with other people. And, um, you know, some people are people that I've known for years in the world of health and safety and others I may um, find on LinkedIn or I'm paying attention to something they're writing mm -hmm. um, and hearing about. And um, I may tap them and say, you know, you just wrote something that was particularly interesting to me or um, someone who's a topical expert on something. I've had the great um, opportunity to work with the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences for the last number of years. And um, through that organization, which is a division of the National Institute of Health, I've met some really stellar health and safety professionals um, who have um, been my guests as well, who are you know topical experts in all kinds of areas. So I, not only do my guests get to hear their story and how they um, came to be, you know, like an expert in ammonia or something, mm -hmm. um, but but also their storied career, and so it's been really fun. It's been really fun. How do you feel um, the podcast format differs in terms of? Uh, you know, I guess getting a message across, you know, you know, obviously, you know, you can have in services and you can send around, you know, uh, information and links and things like that. But, you know, mm -hmm. how, how does it, how does a podcast sort of, you know, sort of, I guess, uh, inform employees and people who are interested in the topic, you know, better than some of those other methods? Yeah, you know, so with regard to this particular podcast, I consider it to be um, more thought leadership mm -hmm. so that we can hear and learn from from one another. Maybe the maybe the way someone tackles something or maybe the history behind something, not necessarily a how to, but maybe what's possible or where something came from or the way that um, someone has tackled something, something difficult. You know, I've had guests recently who talked about, um, you know, job transition 
you know, right. leave making the choice to leave um, their particular job and, you know, what are they doing now and how are they, what's it look like to look for a job right now? Or I had someone else who was talking, who's a topical expert on workplace stress and um, has done a lot of research on it and was able to offer some, um, some tools for employers that they can deploy um, through a nonprofit that they're part of right now, or, you know, safety and policing. What does that look like? What does that even mean? Um, you know, so some just really interesting ways to look at the career, look at the ways the, the, the career path can take you um, might be, uh, you know, another way to look at it. The different, you know, health and safety exists wherever a human being works. And so it's always interesting to uncover and talk with people who um, are, are doing the work in different places and just to hear from one another collegially. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, it's such a, a wide and diverse field. I mean, health and safety, obviously, you know, there are certain commonalities, but, you know, when, when you take it across so many different workplaces and, you know, types of jobs and, and careers, uh, it's very different from, you know, like I'm looking at just some of the people you've talked to and it's, yeah, you know, you mentioned the police one and, uh, you know, uh, there's so many different uh, things you can cover and talk about. So, yeah, it's, I imagine there's just a very wide uh, breadth of, of information that you've discovered over doing this. Yeah, there really has been, you know, I had a guest um, that talked about mindfulness and safety. And it's like, gosh, what does that mean? You know, I mean, she she's dedicated her entire career to teaching people how to keep their mind on the job, on the task at hand and doing it through um, mindfulness. Um, so, you know, just really have had an, uh, a great opportunity to hear from so many different people um, tackling the profession in some really interesting ways. That's great. And uh, you can find the podcast on the mm -hmm. usual suspects, uh, Apple right. Podcasts, Google, Spotify, also at hsi.com slash podcast, right? So. Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, if for people who like to read transcripts, um, if you find the podcast at our website at HSI, um, you'll be able to read the transcript of, of each episode as well. If, you know, some people, some people prefer to read or that's what they have the time for versus listening. Great. Well, yeah. I wanted to talk to you uh, sort of shifting gears about, you know, what you're dealing with in your position. What are some of the biggest safety issues that you're, you're dealing with right now? I mean, obviously at this very unique uh, place in time, um, you know, what are, yeah. what are some of the things that you're, that you're really, uh, you know, I guess I don't, I don't, concerned about is the right word, but like, you know, the, the biggest things that are sort of uh, on your desk right now. Right. And so, you know, at HSI, I had mentioned that um, what we do serves all types of employers, um, all types of workplace settings. And so it's it's the usual suspects and then plus. And so when I say usual suspects, I mean, really helping uh, employers to tackle the everyday work that they must do with health and safety. Um, you know, what I call the five essential elements, you know, which are um, the administrative must-haves, those things every every employer must do, uh, you know, with regard to like keeping the OSHA 300 log and posting 300A and recording your incidents and um, having methods and means to report um, injuries and illnesses. 
um, to the second element, which are those lovely written programs, policies, procedures, SOPs that everyone is always struggling with, you know, writing those things to be compliant with the OSHA regulations. And the third being um, training and ensuring that um, you've you've crossed everything you need to uh, with regard to compliance training plus more and making it specific to your workplace. And then, you know, what? how are you tracking risk and all those things we, we, we need to do to identify hazards and to have methods and means to correct them and workflows to correct them and ways to send out alerts and, uh, you know, all of that stuff. And, yeah. And then last, um, enforcing or reinforcing safe work behaviors and having um, a paper trail for all of those things. And so when I talk about usual suspects, it's those things, you know, um, I, I keep waiting for an employer who's like, well, I've got this one really unique thing. <laughs> but every everybody is always with those same with those same five elements, um, just in different degrees. Right. And, you know, some people are just really starting out. Or maybe the safety and health professional, the person tackle tasked with doing that work is just starting out. Or maybe it's someone who's really um, tenured in their career and they're looking for a new way to do things. Or they really have it dialed in, but they're looking for a way to use technology in a way that they haven't before. So, you know, when it when it comes to like, what are we dealing with day in, day out? It's those same things that people are always looking for solutions for a way to do things better more efficiently, um, differently, breathe life into the way that they've always been doing things if it's gotten stale. And then, you know, add a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And go, yeah, right. And so then how can we take those methods that we know so well and that we help employers with and how can we apply what we already have and know to deal with this brand new hazard, which now, you know, almost two years into it isn't so new anymore. Um, you know, but it, it's this newish hazard that we're still needing to figure out um, how to wrangle and how to protect our employees and how to comply with um, what is ever changing um, laws from a municipal and local level to a federal level as we continue to see things change and, and um, you know, those changes happen at a federal OSHA level and changes that happen when we have a new administration come in. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's, that's what we're doing right now. And so we've been doing a lot of pivoting at yeah. HSI, whether it's, um, whether it's helping employers write their first ever um, COVID-19 preparedness plan, you know, having a, having a written um, a template to go through or whether it's, um, <laughs> Um, you know, doing health screenings. And so we've, we've done a lot of pivoting on our development team um, um, to help our, to, to help our customers. Um, getting back to something you mentioned, um, what do you tell someone who's just starting out in this profession uh, in terms of, you know, maybe they're a little overwhelmed or, or looking to get a foothold in what, how do you, what kind of advice do you give that person? Yeah, you know, and and I've I've talked about what I call these five essential elements, right? So administrative must-haves and um, written documentation and training and and uh, tracking risk and reinforcing behaviors. Those five things. It, that's where I have people start. You know, it's it's like. Um, you have to start with the basics, the compliance things, which is what I lean into from my, you know, from my history with OSHA. Um, and so I know what I looked for 
when I was when I was doing my inspections, I know the things that I had to audit for. I know the things that I cited most often. And so, you know, it's looking at those five elements and then really determining where is our greatest risk uh, for this particular workforce to help you triage where to start. You know, and for some people, it's going to be um, training like no one's had training before they had training by YouTube video or something or for some it may be we have so many hazards here we literally have arterial bleeds let's try to triage how we can correct those hazards to mitigate the greatest risk that we have with our employees and so um, you know really taking a look at those five and then helping employers decide like what's what's my starting point here because um, I yeah. guess it, it goes back to sort of you know what you called your podcast, the accident, you know, accidental safety pro, mm -hmm. a lot of folks are kind of falling into this position, you know, you know, maybe not intentionally, it wasn't their goal in their right. career, but they find themselves they're now the safety officer. So then yeah. they've got to kind of, you know, get up to speed on all this stuff. Um, and, and I imagine there's probably, um, you know, an element of, you know, when you become that person in a, in a business, you're kind of seen as the safety cop, you know, you're kind of, kind of look <laughs> right. at, maybe don't look at you the same way as they used to, you know, cause they think you're going to write them up on something. So um, yeah. how do they deal with that? You know? Yeah. Right. So I do have those conversations with people who are just starting out and, you know, any of us who've done this work for a while will likely admit to being a safety cop at one point or another in our careers, because we, maybe thought that's the way it needed to be. Mm. Um, or, you know, in my case, I literally had a badge. Right. And so, <laughs> you know, the literal safety cop. But, you know, being a safety cop doesn't get you very far, you know, um, in terms of uh, building relationships, building trust, not only with your, with your management structure, but with your employees as well. You know, if you're the person to fear like, ooh, ooh here comes this person, better put on those safety glasses <laughs> better, better, you know, put one more point of contact on that ladder when I'm climbing it, um, you know, better follow the lockout tagout procedure because they're looking now. That's not, you know, that's not the way that we're going to um, have effective change and keep people safe at work because our eyes can't be everywhere. And so um, being a safety cop isn't going to be what builds something that lasts. It might be something that's firefighter-ish. Mm -hmm. You know, as in you got a bright, bright fire burning in front of you, you and you must go extinguish it, but that's not going to build something that lasts and a culture that lasts. And so um, I invite people, as do every guest I've probably ever had on my on my podcast, talk about how to build relationships, you know, how to build relationships with human beings um, and the people that you work with um, to influence change in terms of um, helping them understand that this this whole safety thing is about sending people home whole and healthy the same way they arrived and not having them have a long-term illness or an injury that's debilitating. Um, and to remember that we are our brothers and sisters keepers and the actions and decisions that we make once we have all the information we need to be able to perform the way that we um, that safely, um, that, you know, it's on us, it's on us and it's not on that, um, safety individual and certainly isn't going to work if the health and safety person is viewed as a, a punitive person. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and you mentioned COVID-19 and obviously it's 
you know, everything, you know, we do now is sort of at least, you know, somewhat focused on it. But what are some of the, you know, ways that you've seen safety professionals and others, you know, deal with the pandemic itself and just sort of the, the, the emotional heft of it all, you know, like what kind of impact is it having on people and, you know, and what sort of problems has that led to in the workplace? Yeah, right. So it's a it's a hard time for our profession. Um, you know, the health and safety profession in itself, you know, often isn't super popular <laughs> until something's going sideways, right? Right. You know, it's like it's like when do we hear about health and safety on the news? You know, it's not when to be lauded, it's something happened, right? right. You know, like this this company got fined. You know, um, this thing went wrong. Um, you know, the only thing I can think of, you know, in terms of like media attention that's ever been good with safety is when um, uh, the plane landed safely on the Hudson River. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, like, ooh, that pilot followed um, every, every, he followed his training to the T. He did, you know, he did all of the things right. Safety. Yay. You know, safety. <laughs> yay. And, <laughs> you know, the, the pilot, uh, Sully. Sully Sullenberger. Yeah. Sully Sullenberger landed the plane safely on the Hudson. We could all cheer for safety. That's really the only one I can think of. Right. Well, I and guess so, sort of, you know, the, the, you know, people have been sort of lauding, you know, frontline responders and, you know, Front, frontline care workers and things like that during the pandemic but mm -hmm. but then there's sort of in backlash too i guess so that's right yeah that's right yeah exactly exactly and and so how is it affecting you know workplace health and safety so one day you're viewed as the oh you know the thing we have to do right you know like the thing we have to do and if you're lucky enough to work for an employer who believes wholeheartedly in health and safety, that's fantastic. But we all know that that's not always the case, mm -hmm. right? And so for those of us who've been working in places where that's not always been the case, we come in with this new hazard and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, the bright lights are shining on the health and safety professional going, uh oh, help us, right? Now, like, yeah. can you help us? Can you pull a rabbit out of your hat quickly? <laughs> um, and figure this out for us? So I think it's, I think it's been a lot of pivoting um for the profession to you know try to be super responsive um and then trying to teach their employer um and maybe their management teams you know what this whole health and safety thing is all about you know it's like overnight people you know outside of safety knew what ppe stood for right right like every, everyone's talking about it right or the hierarchy of controls like that's been like something that only health and safety professionals ever talked about the hierarchy of controls. And now all of a sudden, like you might be talking about it around the dinner table when you're talking about <laughs> layers of protection and what that means. And so, you know, in, a, in, in the best light, the health and safety profession has had a good light shine on us in that people are starting to speak our language, but we needed to try to do that work alongside all of everybody else trying to learn about our profession. So we're trying to do the work, but teaching at the same time, you know, in a, in a, in a major crisis. <laughs> and so it's, it's taken its toll. I mean, I know that I have um, professional friends and acquaintances who've decided to leave jobs um, because of it. And I have, um, you know, and look somewhere else, they're just burned out 
and others who really had the opportunity to make change in a positive way and who are um, thriving, but also working their tails off. You know, mm-hmm. um, I often am able to look in the eyes of uh, safety and health professionals, you know, where they're working, we're talking on camera and walking, walking through their struggles, and they're still doing all of the other stuff. It's not like those other five elements or other hazards or other training, you know, like right. stopped. They're doing right. everything plus this. And so people are really running um, on adrenaline coming up on almost two years. Well, that kind of goes into my next question, which is about resilience. Um, what is resilience and how can it help EHS folks deal with the difficulties of their jobs, especially these days? Yeah, right. So when, you know, when we think about resilience, probably we need to define, start with by defining the word. And so, you know, it's about bouncing back or adapting well or recovering quickly. And it's um, it's something that is was sort of relatively new to me in terms of how it applies to our industry, um, the health and safety world. I had mentioned earlier that I've had the um, great opportunity to work with the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences for the last number of years and specifically during the pandemic. And so the, the NIEHS um, is an organization uh, within the government that's called to action during times of national crisis. To, pr- to curate and provide training for frontline workers. And they've been doing this for decades and decades. And so if you think about um, um, uh, Hurricane Katrina or 9-11, um, Deepwater Horizon, these different, you know, different, or, you know, Ebola, um, different times when there's a crisis and then human beings have to respond. Those human beings are dealing with a new or different hazard and they need training to protect themselves on, you know, cleaning up on the pile or, you know, cleaning up the oil spill, um, what, what have you. And so the NIHS comes together to curate that training. And I've been, um, working with them. HSIs had the opportunity to work alongside NIHS um, for the last, um, for all of 2020, which included listening to all of these professionals talk about what kind of training needed to, to be happening. What were the hazards? What were the facts of the hazard? And so every week, twice a week, I was hearing from the front lines throughout the pandemic about what this, you know, what was this like? What were we doing in a hospital over here? What were we doing for the, you know, the auto workers over here? What were the hazards we were discovering? You know, how were we going to make these N95s last? Was there any science to like, could we actually clean these things? How do we store them? What do we do when there's a shortage with with personal protective equipment? And so every week I was taking in all this information, which was just amazing to hear but also super overwhelming and i would leave yeah. these these training sessions and i'd be like oh my god you know like how do these people keep doing this and i'm listening to people who've been doing this for decades and decades and i and i said you know like like seriously how do you keep coming back to the well and doing this every day and and uh, the director of the of the program at the time said you know resilience we practice resilience I'm like, what is that? <laughs> you know, like, like literally, what is that? And, and so we'd finish these um, sessions every week and the session would close out. There'd be hundreds of people who are participating or presenting and listening. And we'd close out every session with a guided meditation, which just sounds like woo woo. 
but it was really it was really a way to get everyone who had just had all of this all of this information all of this um you know things that were just so hard to listen to and to take a moment to kind of get back into your body um to breathe find your breath find some grounding within yourself to be able to continue going you know and so the the people that i met through nihs would be like you know i'm going for a bike ride now or i'm going to get in nature now i need to i'm going to take a break for a few minutes from yeah. this to to get back to myself so that i can have that bounce back so that i can adapt and you know that's what i learned that's what i learned from them and it's just really been a, a beautiful thing and you know these are people who've been doing this work since you know the 60s and 70s right, and right. continue doing it and doing it effectively yeah that's great. Well, Jill, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This is uh, it's really great to talk to you. Um, the podcast, again, is the Accidental Safety Pro podcast. You, know, you can find that at hsi.com. You can also find it at Google, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks again, Jill. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. That wraps up episode 82 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.